welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every week, decisions are made across Maine that affect the future of our environments. Lawmakers in Augusta propose or debate new bills. Mainers speak up on proposals made by corporations or state agencies. Clean energy projects are launched, or communities take action to address threats to clean air or water or open spaces that they cherish. Since 1959, NRCM has been on the front lines, tracking these developments and tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law. NRCM does this to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. So every two weeks, we'll sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories you need to know about and what lies ahead. Thank you for listening as we share our view from the front lines. So I've got to start this episode with one of my favorite news stories from the past couple weeks. News Center Maine visited MDI, where the school system just rolled out Maine's first electric school bus. Yay! Cue the applause. Yeah. And for this, awesome, right, Pete? And so for this story, they interviewed Doug Van Gorder, who's the bus driver who led the push for the electric bus. And one of his quotes just stuck with me. He said, the kids aren't breathing the diesel exhaust. I'm not breathing the diesel exhaust. I'm coughing less than I used to. And he went on to estimate that the new bus is going to save them $5,000 a year in fuel and $2,000 a year in standard maintenance, things like oil change. And I just thought this was the perfect example and or illustration of why the transition to clean energy is so important. Right at the end of the day, it's going to deliver savings to Mainers and it's going to help improve public health, um, deliver real health benefits. Uh, and I, it's just a huge win all around. Don't you think, Pete? Yeah, totally. Every time I smell a diesel exhaust from a bus, it throws me back to standing at a bus stop waiting for my bus. <laughs> I have that yeah. too. We did a, I know. We did a it Wednesday. transports me back. It's just like, ugh, that smell. Yeah. We did a Wednesday ski trip um, uh, at, at my school and, and a bunch of the area schools did it. And I have this like a vivid memory of being in the parking lot at the end of the, uh, at the end of the day all the school, all the buses from all the area schools were just sitting there idling. And it was just this, like, I could barely breathe. And, and it was, you were like coughing to get through. So it's just what a, right. what, what a huge benefit that that's going to be not only school buses, but um, you know, our public transit fleet when we start to get there. Right. Um, well, well, welcome to the latest episode of frontline voices. I'm Colin Durant NRCM's advocacy communications director. And as you've heard, we're here once again with our advocacy director, Pete Didesheim, to dig into the latest environmental news from across Maine. Pete, let's get started with some quick highlights from the past few weeks. Uh, sure. So one thing that's on my mind is, is just seeing the uh, escalating advertising by Central Maine Power and Hydro-Quebec. They're just moving into full tilt scare tactic mode to try to persuade Mainers to support their damaging transmission corridor that would cut across Western Maine. Everybody knows the CMP corridor issue now pretty well. So CMP now seems to have, gosh, yes, yet another political action committee. This one's headed by the former uh, communications director for Governor Paula Page. Uh, she had a, a piece in the in the paper this week. Um, and, you know, it's almost like they've given up trying to persuade Mainers to to support their project based on its merits, and they just want to scare people. 
um, into voting against question one. Um, they claim that it'll have all sorts of unintended consequences. But from our perspective, it's going to have a very clear and intended consequence. Question one would stop the CMP corridor, which we believe a clear majority of Maine people want to do. So stopping the corridor by voting yes on question one is, is the simple message. Uh, Maine people know a bad deal when they see it, and the CMP corridor remains a bad deal for Maine. So we're going to see a lot more of this advertising moving forward, but I think uh, I, I believe that when the when the vote is called, um, Mainers are going to vote against uh, the project by voting yes on question one. The other thing that's happened recently that we've been paying attention to is, you know, there's this mining company, this Canadian mining company, Wolfton, that has been um, pursuing a, a, a mineral mine up near Pickett Mountain, not too far from Katahdin Woods and Waters. And they finally submitted a long overdue uh, update to their application, about a thousand pages. Um, and we're still working our way through it. It doesn't change our opinion at all about Wolfden's rezoning petition, which we think should be denied. But one thing really struck out, stuck out for our staff scientist, Nick Bennett, who's been working his way through it. There's a disclaimer in the materials that says that although the document, these thousand pages have been reviewed for consistency, Please note that given the size and the amount of content within the petition, it is anticipated that there may be a few minor inconsistencies. Most of the numbers, it says, appear more than once, but if there's an out, a single outlier that doesn't seem consistent, they should be overlooked. Oh my God. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, seriously, I, I wouldn't have gotten away with that in college if I made a statement like that in one of my papers. I've never I, seen anything like it in a, an official application to totally agency totally approval. Can we, start, like, can we start putting that? This on might be full release? of mistakes, but yeah. just ignore them, would you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I it's just like astounding. It's just such a classic example, as as Nick has pointed out, of what a fly-by-night operation this is. I mean, Wolfden, I, it's just it, it it's clear that all their proposals should just be rejected out of hand. But um, we could talk about that forever, but let's move on to the two topics we really wanted to discuss in detail. The first, a huge investment in clean energy jobs that's being proposed as part of Congress's Build Back Better budget, and a lawsuit we filed with our partners against Brookfield, that's the owner of four dams on the Kennebec, for repeatedly breaking federal environmental law. So first, let's dig into this federal clean energy proposal and efforts by Congress uh, to address climate change. Pete? Sure, yeah. But let me start by sharing my new motto for the months ahead, fall into action on climate. How's that sound? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, we've got two huge developments this fall uh, that could put us on the path towards addressing climate change head on in the biggest way uh, ever. First, we have members of Congress working on the most important climate action bill that's ever been considered. It's called the Reconciliation Bill or the Build Back Better Budget, and it includes critical sections that would make a huge difference for Maine. The bill's been pegged at 3.5 trillion, which is you know, a lot of people are focusing on that on that top line number, and that might change or may not depends on on uh, negotiations between the House and the Senate. Um, and the bill is big; it includes all sorts of sections dealing with lots of different issues: childcare, pre-K, lowering prescription drug prices, workforce development, medical leave, bunch bunch of other stuff. 
Um, what's, re what's really exciting for us and critical for the climate are the proposals that would accelerate the transition to clean energy. And at the top of this list is what's called the Clean Electricity Payment Program, which would require utilities to increase the share of low carbon power, renewable energy that they produce by 4% each year from 2023 through 2030. So they would get payments as incentives for these structural changes away from fossil fuels toward renewable energy, and they would pay penalties if they fall short. So there's a carrot and a stick to this policy program. In a new report that was just released by NRDC and the analysis group estimated that the benefits of this electricity payment program would be big, like really big. Within 10 years, the program would create nearly 8 million new jobs and add nearly 1 trillion to the economy. And it would get the nation to 80% clean electricity by 2030. Also, the White House released a report this week, last week, very recently, um, showing that uh, solar energy could provide nearly half of the nation's electricity by 2050. It's called the Solar Futures Study. Um, and that's the path we need to get onto. And this clean electricity payment program is tightly connected to that sort of vision of achieving half of the nation's electricity generation from solar by 2050. That sounds great to me. As you would say, let's fall into action on climate. Let's get there it we done. Go. There we go. <laughs> um, so is there more you think uh, our, our, our listeners need to know about what's going on? Yeah. So this Build Back Better budget also includes a bunch of other stuff that matters a lot to Maine. Uh, it includes increased consumer incentives for zero emission vehicles like the you know, electric bus that you just mentioned, but also for um, uh, people like you and me to, to get us in electric vehicles uh, quickly, rebates for home electrification and weatherization, tax credits for producing clean electricity, investments in our communities to make them more resilient to the impacts of climate change. There's also funding for what's called a clean energy accelerator to help finance clean energy investments. Here in Maine, we created a, a uh, passed a law this year to create a clean energy accelerator, and this would provide federal funding that would come down to this state uh, to be used for financing. And what's most exciting about these provisions is that they track so closely with the central priorities of Maine's climate action plan. So it's probably not going to surprise you that the fossil fuel industry is pulling out all the stops to try to block the budget reconciliation bill and kill these efforts to accelerate the transition to a clean energy economy. I was just reading today that fossil fuel lobbyists are just going bonkers over the proposals. They don't want to limit methane pollution, uh, which is one of the provisions of the Build Back Better uh, plan. And methane is a really potent greenhouse gas and fossil fuel sector doesn't want people to purchase electric vehicles particularly quickly. They don't want utilities to move away from coal, oil, and natural gas. They wanna keep us hostage to fossil fuels. And that means all of the climate damage that goes with it. So from our perspective, this really is a all hands on deck moment for us to support this budget reconciliation bill that includes these climate measures that we need here in Maine. We need them for the nation. We need them for the planet to make up for decades of lost time on the climate issue. So I would urge everyone to fall into action on climate <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and urge uh, and contact uh, Maine's congressional delegation and urge them to support 
uh, the budget reconciliation package, including all of these funding and policy provisions that are so critical to addressing climate change. So this is really important because of the other big thing happening this fall, which is the next United Nations Climate Change Conference, which will be held in Glasgow, Scotland from November 1st to November 12th. And so given the heat waves and fires and drought and hurricanes and flash floods and extreme weather events that have been happening this year, now really is the time um, for action at the, at the global level. So this UN summit called uh, COP26 for the Conference of the Parties, uh, this is the 26th such conference. Um, and it's gonna focus on this critical issue of how do we get to global net zero carbon emissions and limit global warming to not more than 1.5 uh, degrees Celsius. So we're not on track to achieve those goals and we need to, to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. So as we head into the fall, the level of discussion, advocacy, and sense of urgency uh, is gonna increase. So just this week, we saw an unprecedented joint statement, which is an example of this, signed by 200 scientific journals from around the world. All 200 of these journals, including the New England Journal of Medicine, published the same editorial, and it was titled, a call for emergency action to limit global temperature increases, restore biodiversity and protect health. Really compelling. And let me just read the closing paragraph of that, of that joint editorial that is appearing around the planet in, in these hundreds of medical um, and public health journals. It says, the greatest threat to global public health is the continued failure of world leaders to keep the global temperature rise below 1.5 degrees Celsius and to restore nature. Urgent society-wide changes must be made and will lead to a fairer and healthier world. We as editors of health journals call for governments and other leaders to act, marking 2021 is the year that the world finally changes course. Pretty compelling stuff. Very compelling, very powerful. And let's, let's hope that, um, that happens. The time certainly come, as you've said. Um, well, let's shift gears uh, quickly to the Kennebec. NRCM joined with our partners at the Atlantic Salmon Federation, Conservation Law Foundation, and Maine Rivers to sue Brookfield, again, that's the owner of four dams on the Kennebec, for violating the Federal Endangered Species Act and killing endangered Atlantic salmon. Pete, can you just give us an overview of this lawsuit and why we filed it? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said last week, we sued Brookfield. This is a massive Canadian energy company, $60 billion company, uh, for repeatedly violating the Endangered Species Act. So Brookfield owns lots of dams in Maine. They own 17 dams on the Kennebec River. And four of those dams between Waterville and Skowhegan kill Atlantic salmon and other sea run fish, both as they're trying to travel upstream to spawn in the spring and downstream to get back to the ocean in the fall. So Brookfield is a repeat offender in Maine. They have a dam on the Union River in Ellsworth that also routinely kills fish, alewives. And the Maine Department of Environmental Protection recently denied uh, the state water quality cert certificate for that dam. In our lawsuit, we're calling on the court to order Brookfield to halt operations of these four dams on the lower Kennebec for up to nine months of the year so that they stop killing and harming endangered Atlantic salmon. We believe that all four of Brookfield's dams on the lower Kennebec should be removed. That's the best solution here to, um, 
to help protect the Atlantic salmon from extinction. This is the nation's best chance to save Atlantic salmon from the brink of extinction and bring back millions of other sea-run fish and revive the river that was historically the most productive in the state of Maine. And we've been working on this with our coalition partners, as you mentioned, but state and federal agencies also have, have held essentially the same view of, of the significance of, of this river and the opportunity um, to restore it through the removal of these dams. We strongly believe that we can restore a healthy river in a way that does not disrupt the sappy paper mill that, and other businesses that use water from the river. And here's the thing, dam removals have been among Maine's biggest environmental success stories of the last 50 years. And the time has come for these dams to be removed. As I said, this is a massive company. These are inconsequential dams in their overall portfolio. They represent something like 0.002% of the company's total generating capacity, but they're pushing Atlantic salmon to the brink of extinction. So we believe that there's like a win-win-win-win outcome here where Brookfield, the Kennebec River, Atlantic salmon, and the health of the Gulf of Maine and the communities along the river all could benefit if we just recognize that these four dams are causing too much damage and the company really needs to shift its energies towards a path of removing these dams. So we're suing the company because they're violating the law. They need to be held accountable. They're not respecting the interests of, of Maine people or this river. And we're gonna continue to push on every available avenue to protect this river. Here, here. Um, and I, I wanna note that the day after, thanks for that, Pete, the day after the lawsuit was filed, we released the first of several videos uh, that we worked with with um, Jerry Monkman, who's a wonderful photographer and videographer. Uh, this video features the voices of some Maine people speaking up in support of dam removal on the Kennebec. How does this Kennebec work fit into this larger picture of river restoration? in Maine. I mean, you just talk, talked about it, but I, I feel like those wo voices were so compelling and really reiterated um, why this work is so important. Well, the progress that Maine has achieved over the last 50 years in our rivers is really astounding. So if you go back to the 1960s, our rivers were just uh, dead. The just raw sewage in the early 60s was flowing in the rivers. There was no dissolved oxygen. There were massive fish kills. Uh, they stank. No one wanted to live near the river. Nobody swam in the river. And look at them today. We've got millions of fish returning to our rivers because of the Clean Water Act. And next year will be the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. But also because of, of select removal of dams that, that no longer are uh, providing benefits to society that are um, worth their continued harm that they're causing to these rivers. So dam removals are part of this uh, effort by the people of Maine to restore our rivers and reconnect our, um, our river systems with the ocean and provide habitat that fish can repopulate. And given a chance, fish come back with a vengeance. And so that's one thing we've learned is if you give nature a chance, it will take advantage. So if we remove these four dams, we are confident that we will have a healthy free-flowing Kennebec again from the Sandy River, a prime Atlantic salmon habitat, 
all the way to the Gulf of Maine. Absolutely. And as someone who got to start environmental activism, I was working on dam removals out west save our wild, for Save Our Wild Salmon. They're still working to try to remove the Snake River dams out there. Uh, it's really exciting to be working on it here at home. And it's dam removal and river restoration is just such an inspiring opportunity to, as you said, breathe new life into rivers and restore the natural balance. Well, we've got to wrap up. But before we do, Pete, what are a few of the things that you think folks should be looking out for in the news in the coming weeks? Uh, well, there's just two things I'll mention. The Maine Climate Council will hold uh, a meeting on September 29th. It's gonna be an important opportunity for the council to get updates on the action that has been taken since their spring meeting. And, and over the last couple of years, um, there has been a lot of action here in the state of Maine. We've adopted the, the, uh, the Climate Action Plan, Maine Won't Wait, and the legislature has passed a whole bunch of bills and there's a bunch of processes underway. So that's an important meeting. People can go to the Maine Climate Council website and register and watch that session as it happens. The other thing, looking ahead a little bit, on October 19th, the Maine Department of Environmental Protection is going to hold a hearing, public hearing, on its proposal to suspend CMP's permit for its controversial energy corridor. And as we've discussed previously, Maine Superior Court Judge Michaela Murphy ruled last month that CMP's lease with the state to cross public land is illegal. Uh, the administration failed in 2014 and, and then also in 2020 to secure approval for the lease by the legislature as required by the Maine Constitution and Maine law. You need a two-thirds vote of both the House and the Senate if there's going to be a substantial change of use on public lands. And the CMP corridor depends on putting this transmission corridor across um, a parcel of public land. And obviously a transmission line of this scale is a substantial change of use. So what that uh, ruling, that court ruling determined was that CMP no longer has full right title and interest for the full length of the transmission corridor, which means they can't have a permit because they don't own all the land underneath or they have access to all the land that they need for the project. So. CMP filed a formal request this week uh, with the DEP to officially intervene in this proceeding. It's also gonna be open to the public for comment. We do believe that the public at large should call for the DEP to suspend CMP's permit until or unless the company has full right title and interest to the land underlying the project. Pretty simple. I mean, we would like this, all of the construction on this project to stop until um, CMP can demonstrate that they have the land needed to actually complete the project. Well, that, that hearing is going to be fascinating to watch and to get ready for. And I think um, we'll see, as we do every time, um, lots of Maine people speaking up. Absolutely. Um, speaking up for that to happen. Um, well, thanks as always, Pete, for your um, insight. And thanks again to all our listeners for tuning in. Uh, and don't forget, if you like what you hear, share it with your friends or family. Give us a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Pete. Absolutely. Nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast listening apps. To learn more about NRCM, please visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment. Until next time, 
Thanks for your interest, attention, and involvement in the collective efforts by Maine people to protect the unique woods, waters, and wildlife of our state. Thanks again.